0: I am so thrilled, huh, to have <laughs> Kirk Kilgrave on the show, guys. I'm telling you right now, in my Kindle is sitting a book that you've got to go get so you can start the Kirk Kilgrave craze. The present, look at there, um, Kirk Kilgrave. He writes supernatural thrillers that often delves into the horror genre. He writes fast-paced plots with plenty of action, suspense, mystery, a dash of romance and humor, as well as twists and turns. He and his wife live in the Chicagoland area with their rascally shih tzu terrier who bears a remarkable resemblance to a little pup in his novel, The Presence, which we'll get to. Uh, The House of Silent Screams, a thrilling haunted house mystery, Psychic Mysteries Book 3, came out February 4th. Twenty Twenty One. So, welcome, Kurt. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Jen.
0: So, you just got your new release, and I'm talking about your first—the presence of that first series that I picked up. Right. Um, you've got such an extensive body of work, and I love your like schedule of how you're releasing your books. Give us your tip on how you're managing.
1: Well, uh, it's, it's difficult. I mean, right now, I mean, I should go back in the past up until a couple of years ago, I had worked full time for, I don't know, 20 years or so in the library world. So, and you'll get, we'll get into that. But, um, the last couple of years I've been just working part-time, still working as a librarian, um, up here in Northern Illinois, in Chicagoland area. And, um, I've been lucky enough that my wife allows me to do that. I'm not sure how much longer she's going to, yeah. I'm not sure how much longer because, you know, it does get difficult with the bills and that sort of thing. And, and I don't have the biggest presence in (laughs) the book world (laughs) right now. I'm hoping that it grows. That's the thing. You know, I've been, kind of hoping and praying that it actually goes in that direction. So far, it really hasn't. It hasn't really taken off as much as I'd hoped. But to answer your question, um, I just try to, you know, write as much as I can and, you know, do a lot of the other things around the house too, while I'm doing it in the background, you know, cooking and doing laundry and going to get groceries and taking care of the dog and doing all that sort of thing. Um, But yeah, it, you know, I try to, for me anyway, I try to delve out big chunks of time to write. Because for instance, today, what I was just mentioning, doing all those household chores and stuff, I had, I spent, I don't know, right up from like 10 in the morning here in central time to almost three when, you know, we're having this conversation, just doing all of that. So I didn't really have a chance to do any writing today, any editing I'm. I just received my the second book in the Psychic Mysteries series from my narrator, and she is so awesome. She is, she's just perfect for my stories. I actually went through a hundred different narrators, hundred different female narrators before I finally, and I was like, oh my god, this is the person. So she is just fantastic. She's a great person. She's also from the south. She's from the Nashville area. But um, yeah, I try to, to. I really need to to get a bunch of hours together to write. It's really hard for me to write just a little bit, like some people do, a half an hour here, 20 minutes there. I need a number of hours. Sometimes it it takes me hours to actually get in that that flow, you know, that um, you're in the zone type thing. Sometimes it might take me three hours to get in there, and it might... I might be wrestling at the keyboard for three hours and writing three pages. And then the last two hours I went over and wrote six or nine or something. And it's crazy. But I try to have, because I know you're interested in, you know, the process itself. When I do have those long days, I tell myself I need to write 3,000 words per day. Mm. So, I mean, it's crazy. Some of the authors out there can write that in two hours. I, an hour, even. I don't know how they do it. I can't write that fast. I see it in my mind, and it comes out, you know, in the keyboard. And for the most part, when I do editing, I, there's really not too much I need to change. It's just moving things, and that's just from having written so many in the past that you, you know, the it just kind of. I can't say it doesn't become innate but the process just gets easier and you're doing it you don't know what you're doing or why you're doing it or how you're doing it it's just making sense but it takes a number of books to get to that to get to that point
0: and so did you always know you wanted to stick within the horror supernatural genre
1: well here's the interesting part of that my mother who used to love stephen king back in the 70s and 80s, she would always tell me when I wanted to, you know, when I first started having an interest in writing, which was after reading John Grisham's book, The Firm, what I think was in 91 or something like that, that was the first book that hooked me. And that was after that, I wanted to write novels after that. So um, to answer your question, no. I not I didn't always want to write horror or supernatural thrillers. I actually started writing historical thrillers to begin with. So I've actually written five of those guys. And the first one takes place during the Civil War in um, the Confederate South. Basically, the whole thing takes place in, in the South. I was fascinated with the South, actually. And I moved down there for a year in Mississippi, down in Hattiesburg and um, went for my master's to get my librarian degree. And while I was there, I was just writing a novel. (laughs) I wrote a novel while I was down there in like two months. But um, so yeah, I wrote that one. I wrote a few other ones. Those are under the pen name Sydney Bristow, after one of my favorite heroines, action heroines that um, Jennifer Garner played in the TV show Alias. And I just love that show. And I thought I have to have an awesome pen name and I'm just going to steal hers. But <laughs> so I, I wrote those and then I started writing romantic comedies. So, you know, I wrote three of those and under the same name, Sydney Bristow. And after that, um, because I've always liked romantic comedies, I've always liked historical thrillers. There really hasn't been too many of them. That's what I was interested in doing. I want to create a genre, you know, like Gone Girl did for, um, you know, unreliable narrators. You know, I wanted to do that, but nobody was ready for it at the time. So I went off to romantic comedies and it was popular. I mean, romance is always popular, but after going to a writer's convention, a number of the big name writers were telling me, yeah, you're not going to become popular because no woman wants to read a book written by a man that's <gasps> supposedly a romance novel
0: how so, dare they how dare they said yeah, well, nicholas sparks
1: <laughs> well they did say that but there were 90 other women in the <laughs> program i was the only man and um, they all looked at me and they gave me sad faces and smiles like yeah sorry so that's when i switched it over And uh, after writing those, um, and it's and it's interesting because I never really—I think I only read one romance book before I started writing romance, and yeah, I just basically watched the romantic comedies—Julia Roberts, Sandra Bullock, and all those Meg uh, Ryan—and I loved them. So I thought, why not have my hand at it? And after that, then I started thinking, you know, I've always loved Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and. Angel and Supernatural. So I thought, why don't I start writing some urban fantasy books? (laughs) And I made it so difficult on myself. I had all these rules for the characters and that just made it so difficult. And one thing that, you know, a lot of writers have to, to realize, and I sure did after this experience, was when you're writing, you have to try to keep it very simple not many readers want to go in and, you know, and have all these rules. They, of course, they're interested in world building, you know, but, you know, like in ghosts and stuff, they have certain rules you have to adhere to. But um, a a lot of readers don't want to have to think too hard. They just want to enjoy the story, enjoy the characters, you know, enjoy the twists and that sort of thing. And that's really what bumped, that really knocked me out of contention in that one. So, finally, to get back to answering your question, my mom said, you know, I've been trying to get you for decades to write horror. When are you going to write a horror book? So I started out with the presence and it was not horror. It was supernatural thriller, as you know, um, something I'm just calling right now a haunted house mystery, which I think is pretty accurate. And, um, I wanted to add some of the thrills and chills that I, I learned in writing the historical thrillers. I wanted to have some of the romance that was in some of my romantic comedies. So it tripped up a lot of readers, and like some are saying, "Is this a romance? I'm not really getting it." And really, it's not. There's like a few pages, but
0: but it was you know. good and it was well placed. Oh, it, good. Thank it you. was. It was good and it was timely and you had built your character to the point where when it was introduced, it was like, finally, we see that relationship start and you can you can feel that emotion. And she needed that as a part of, you know, how she was going to develop too throughout the story. Like she needed that for herself. You could see it there. Um, I love that aspect of it. And you did write that horror where you're reading it and it's that suspense, like you just don't know. And then you give a twist and you go, oh my gosh, there's this happening? And you're like, oh, I did not see that coming. And I (laughs) can't give spoiler alerts. My husband says, Jennifer, calm down because you'll start giving spoiler alerts because that was, so there's this big event, y'all. Just listen, read the presents and you'll see what I'm talking about. And there's a part, where the book just turns upside down. And as a reader, you're like looping and you go, yes, this is interesting with this twist. I didn't see it coming. And I would have never pegged that to happen. As you were moving me through with the presents, I was thinking it was maybe this one way. Hmm. And you just threw me like a complete twist. You You got me on it. I, oh, loved, it. I hmm. loved it. I loved it. Um, And so, so your mom, tell her thank you, by the way.
1: Okay. (laughs) Um,
0: But so you should have listened to your mom, but not. Should have listened to my mom. You had to get there though. You had to go through that, I believe, in order for you to discover and grow and stretch yourself and just, you know, jump. It seems to me like, like me, I'm a multi-genre author. So I have love over pizza. And then I have That's a Sweet Romance. And of course, when you started calling out all the books or the movies that you were watching, Sandra Bullock yeah. and Meg Ryan, that was me and my husband watching all of that while I was researching Love Over
1: Pizza.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so he, we were watching all of that. And then I've got horror. And then I've got YA about mm-hmm. a family who's homeless. And I, I move as the stories come to me. I find that when a story presents itself to me and a character says, hello, I'm waiting, you know, you're going to let me in Hmm. and I just go that way. That's that's the way that I kind of roll within the author life, letting it just organically grow in the way that it's supposed to. But I love how to how your progression went over time. Do you feel like this genre fits you or do you feel like you will continue to grow and experiment and just add and just be open to whatever comes your way?
1: Well, I think I'm going to stick in this genre now after, you know, this is my fourth genre. And, you know, in the beginning of, you know, uh, publishing years ago, a lot of writers will say, oh, just go into everything. But really, you know, readers, they don't want to follow. They're not like me and you. You know, I mean, like I said, I like romance. I like pretty much everything. You know, I, I don't mind costume dramas. I like thrillers. I like, um, gosh, science fiction, apocalyptic stuff, gangster films. I mean, everything and pretty much anything, as long as it's a good story and has good characters and good dialogue, I'm all for it. But there does come a time when, you know, a lot of readers aren't going to follow you over to a different area. And one of my things is I want to be able to make a living doing this eventually, you know? So... Um, yeah, it's gonna primarily just be supernatural thrillers, horror novels, um, haunted house mysteries, you know, that sort of thing that that I'm just gonna be uh, sticking with. So actually with this one, I, the presence I had started this one and then um, the next book is actually in this series, is actually the fourth book I wrote because in, in the haunted world, because the second book i wrote was called the possessed and the third one was the damned and the fourth one was called the descendants followed by three more but as i was realizing a lot of horror writers aren't interested in the presence it's just too tame for them you know it's just too slight with horror it's not as dreadful as the the damned or the Malevolent, the fifth one or, or the second or third one, whatever, <laughs> since I split them up and I'll get into that. But uh, The Possessed definitely is a dark book with, strangely enough, a lot of humor. That's one of the things I always put in my books just because I need some of that humor in the dark places in life. You know, it's Dean Koontz, who's my favorite writer. Um, he always said the dark, if you can't have humor in the dark portions of your life, it's going to be more difficult on you. You know, life is going to be more difficult. And, you know, he, I loved his work in the late 70s all the way up through the early 90s. He's kind of gotten off into like a James Patterson type writing style that I'm not too fond of because he was so amazing in the eighties and early nineties that, I mean, just his writing was just, just fantastic. I, I don't know how he did it, but um, so yeah, getting back to the, this, it looks like the descendants is the next one in this series after the presence and you talking about young adult. Yeah, that's kind of what a lot of reviewers were like, this isn't a haunted horror, this is a YA book because you know, the, the, the main character is 17 years old. You know, yep. he's the the eldest in the family of siblings who's taking care of other, other siblings. And there's this curse that just got triggered and it has something to do with one of the main characters in the presence, Eloise. So she becomes, you know, a little bit more of an important character actually in The Possessed and The Damned and all of, she's, you know, the third series that I've written, um, The Psychic Mysteries.
0: I saw that with Psychic Mysteries that you carried her story throughout and then she's being called in as the psychic medium to be able to, you know, take care of of whatever force is there that's unleashed. So Mm -hmm. was that your intent from the very beginning or did Eloise's character just hold on to you? Because I loved her, how you introduced her in the presence. I loved her. She had this warmth about her. She had just this natural curiosity and when she did, okay, I've got to look y'all. I'm from North Carolina. I said this name wrong my whole time in my head. Rosalind.
1: Rosalind.
0: <laughs> Rosalind. Okay, <laughs> I knew it. Um, Rosalind and her. I love that instant chemistry that they had as friends. Mm-hmm. Like you could tell that no matter what had happened with Eloise's backstory and you knew there was one there, that she was just good people,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you could feel it. T- tell me how Eloise became that that shining star for you throughout.
1: You know, I'm not really sure. Like I said, I liked having the humor and I really wanted to have somebody who's very optimistic and that is totally Eloise. Yes. She's always looking on the bright side, always looking for the best in people. And we don't see that too much in life nowadays. And I just thought she was very refreshing. And again, her humor where she's sitting at the, in the break room with her, with her boss, her soon to be boss. And she's just adding, you know, cup, I don't know, like teaspoon after tablespoon after tablespoon of sugar. I was just like, well, this is interesting. And it really started, my, my chemistry with her was I love her sense of humor. More than anything, I like that and her ability to try to look for things on the bright side. And so that was the beginning for me of who this person is. And I knew she had a dark background. At that point, I didn't know what it was. All of that is, yeah. For me, when I start a book, I just to give you an idea, I go over and maybe write, I don't know, half of a page of background on who this person is. And then I'll start going over, with the other characters and maybe write a quarter of a page and then just start outlining. It's not like some writers who out who might take like 90 pages of an outline and there's bits of dialogue and all this stuff. Me, it's like, I might have six chapters on one page and each chapter has like three, three sentences. And, you know, there's at the end of the book, there's 25 to 30 chapters. And my main thing is having some type of a cliffhanger at the end of every, at the end of every um, chapter. So it makes people want to really go on They're like, darn it. I wanted to go to sleep, but you just <laughs> had to do that. Didn't you?
0: That's how um, I was with the presents. Wait, I've got to ask you this again. So let me clarify just to make sure I heard you right. So you will have like 25, 30 chapters laid out, like just the titles and you'll put like, Three sentences as an outline. Three sentences mm-hmm. all the way. And then you just fill it all in with all the goodness of your writing style. That is so good. You'll just fill it all in.
1: Yeah. Um, again, I just see it in my head. It's like a movie that's playing inside my head. You know, uh, I'm not sure. I, I, I've heard that from some other authors. I'm not sure. How about you? Does that is that same. something that works for you, too? Yeah. Yes.
0: Same. I'm so, very visual. I'm such a visual Person. And I don't do a lot of character building either prior to writing because Mm -hmm. when they come to me, it's as if I'm discovering what's happening as we go. Right. Um, And I can plot loosely. I can put a couple of words on a sticky notes on a digital sticky note board that I use. And I did it live. I plotted Love Over Pizza at the beginning of December and I was like, okay, this can happen. Next thing I know, it went completely off the rails. All of this (laughs) idea changed. This wasn't there. It's like, oh, maybe that'll be for that book two, because it's not now, (laughs) and I just have to go with wherever the characters take me, so I have like a, I see them in my, you know, in my mind, and I just carry them out, let them go, I just give them that freedom to dance across the page, you know.
1: The thing is, though, when you're writing horror, um, you'll need to come upon some type of internal, um, I don't know what it is, It happens for me in that I'm writing, like, for instance, a lot of this new book that I'm writing, which is like a new series. um, Yeah, I'm I'm not exactly sure what the series title is. I've gone with a couple possibilities, but I already have book covers for the first (gasps) three books, and they're awesome. I just love Ah. them. I just, love
0: all of your book covers. Oh, I, thank you. I, yeah, we're going to talk about that too. I had that in my <laughs> mind talk about it. But go ahead and tell me about the new process you've got. Go yes. On
1: so like, for instance, there were three pages, you know, after the first, I don't know, 70 pages of some, some horror stuff going on. Just light horror, like, oh, something moved, you know, something like that in the house. And, you know all of that going on and all of a sudden we now have a break in finally a break in the tension where our main character who's 16 she just starts she just meets this one boy from school who she always had a crush on and now he's interested in her and she's like why yeah <laughs> you weren't interested before but um so i'm like going on and i'm enjoying this conversation and i'm like wait 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 wait, wait. let's not go too far because this isn't a romance book this is you know a, a suspense thriller, a horror novel, perhaps I'm not really sure what it is right now. Uh, I might be going more toward horror and I'll get into exactly why a little bit later, but at one point I'm like, okay, let's rein this in because this conversation is just going on too long. I'm enjoying it, but we have to get on with some, you know, let's end this chapter. Let's, you know, have the mystery of why did this boy start talking to her, you know, Mr. Popular and, you know, that sort of thing. And of course, it plays a role a little bit later, but that's, for me, each chapter has to be about three single-spaced lines on a Microsoft Word document. So it, almost every chapter, I'd probably say 75% of the chapters in each of my books, they are three full pages on a Microsoft Word you know, document. Other times, I might have it a little bit further if there's really stuff going on, or if there's Uh, like a mid-chapter break where they're now in a different location, you know, something like that. But yes, that's something that when I'm writing, if I'm, if I am writing and something hasn't happened after two and a half, three pages, something inside of me will say, wait, 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 something's supposed to happen. What people are going to start getting bored here. Something has to happen, make it happen because, you know, let's, let's move on with the story.
0: I love their fast pace in your writing, though. So the presence to me was fast paced. It picked up quick. It wasn't like, you know, comparative to watching a movie or reading a book and you have to wait, you know, 150 pages in with all of this setting and description and all of this. You get us there. You get us moving around in the library. But then we know something's just not right. And Tofu right. knows something's just not right. The <laughs> dog loves yeah. Tofu. Yeah, I think I emailed you. I was like, wait, I'm just loving this dog. My dog yeah. passed away. So after my dog passed away, it's like any dog that I have in a book becomes like my my, my adopted dog in my books. That, hmm. um, And so when anytime I get to read about like Tofu, I just love that. I loved him being in the book. Again, that gives that light along with that dark and just just the fast pace of your work. I really was impressed by that, because uh, you know, it, it yeah, kept turning. Um,
1: that's the difficult part. Um, not that it's difficult to write in a fast paced, but I've discovered, and I think this is one of the reasons why I haven't become more popular, is because I write at a very quick pace. You know, um, if I were writing just straight thrillers, I think I'd be very popular. But in horror, you have to, I mean, a lot of the readers want description. They want settings. They want a paragraph on a sound in the house. And I have like ADD. I I don't have, I just, that just drives me nuts. So I'm trying with this book to be a little more descriptive, a a little bit more emotionally, like, not invested, but you know, more attuned, I guess, and to what's going on in the house, because there is something, it's a haunted house. And um, I'm just, I'm thinking that is one of the reasons why that, although I love those fat, that fast paced, I think I'm just leading everybody like, you know, on a race and they're just like, you know, it's just too fast for me. It's not horror because, It's too fast. You're going way too fast. I don't have time to slow down to be scared. So that's something that's interesting.
0: So I guess it's a reader
1: preference. I think so, especially for horror, because like you were saying, you know, you liked it. I love that type of thing. And if you're not really too into or sometimes you can be for something that's um, descriptive. But for instance, I've just finished a, a, a horror book recently where it, it was probably it took about 60, like you said, 60% of the book before something finally happens. But all the readers love it. They're like, oh my God, the house is so great. And my thing is, it's not the house that's haunted, it's the people that are haunted. Every single person, I mean, there's a reason why those people are in that in that building, in the library, in the house that I might write, You know, in a hotel that I have them in at some point later somebody's being haunted. It's not necessarily the house because I just find that kind of boring to be honest with you, a house. Oh, don't take me from my house. You know, Ooh, scary, scary dude.
0: (laughs) But I love how you built your characters though. You give us, you know, you give us this librarian fresh out of college, kind of first job, wide eyed, but also hurt also down on her luck and oh my gosh can't find a place and you know starting right off you feel you feel for her right away so you build this character and you give her you know kind of some rough people to work with but then Mm -hmm. some lighthearted people to work with. Mm -hmm. Um tell me about the library setting because I was drawn in right away. Like I don't know if I would want to visit a haunted library but Uh, the inspiration. So you're a librarian and here you are writing the haunted library for the presence. Uh, Talk Mm -hmm. about how that all worked for you.
1: Well, I actually based it on a real place that I worked and, um, you know, it just, it just really came alive for me. Uh, I wanted to make it kind of small, but still mysterious at the same time. And, um, you know, I, some people were mad because some of the people that were on the staff at the library are not very nice people, but there are a couple people that are nice. I wanted to make that known because really I'd probably say 95% of the people who work at libraries are really nice people. You know, um, I've, I love being a librarian just because books I'm around books all the time. I mean, it's great to be around books all the time. It's just, you know, something comfortable, you know, but, um, Yeah, how did I, it it was just something that I I had started doing as a shelver, putting books away at a public library in the late 80s. So I've basically been working in the libraries for for five decades because it's from 1989 through right now. So that's actually the 80s, 90s, the aughts, the teens and the 20s. So I'm not even five decades old, but I worked in libraries for that long. (laughs) And yeah, that was just something that felt comfortable for that character. Eloise, who loves books, Rosalind, who, you know, she obviously loves books too. It's that, you know, when you're writing a character, you want people to sympathize with them. And in this instance, she has no friends, she has no money. Her boyfriend broke up with her. And she's she's got very gotten very lucky to get this job. It's just too bad that the library's haunted, <laughs> and you know she works with some some nasty people. So, yeah, that's you know if you're writing a book, you want people to sympathize and relate to somebody. Well, not everybody's been you know fired from a job, but I have, <laughs> and you know it it's scary to you know to face that. But you know she's facing it right out. Like you know I don't have a job, I don't have any money, I don't have any place to live. I have to. I'm gonna find. I'm going to live in the library. And that's just, I can't believe that she did it, but you know, she's, she found a way to make sure that no one finds out until they might find out. I can't tell you that's something that might happen. I don't know.
0: And she takes care of Tofu all within this.
1: And her little dog.
0: Yeah. And her little dog too.
1: Yep. That's what I was about to say.
0: (laughs) I just, to me, when you're looking at like Body of work. I love the covers. You could tell it's a Kurt Kilgrave work. Like you're very consistent with your style, with the way that it all is laid out for you. So, talk to me about that cover process because there could be some authors out there right now going, "What made those covers like? What? When did you know that was right? And how did you go through that?"
1: Well, um, I'm very like we talked about a little bit earlier. I'm very visual. I love movies. I love um, I love artwork, but for, like, for instance, some of the artwork I have behind me, um, Wonder Woman, the, the first Wonder Woman, it's a, a screen print. A lot of these, the other one is the Avengers, you know, uh, with Loki on there. I just love the excitement. The it, There's like a feeling you get from, you know, posters that aren't the original posters that that you get for the movies. And there's just so much action in them even if no one's doing anything. So when I contacted my first cover artist, their name they're, na- they're uh, called Damon Zaw, Damonza, D A M O N Z A. They they were a lot more affordable back 3 years ago. Now they've almost doubled the prices. <laughs> they're really really popular and they do fantastic work. So for this book The Presence, I had an idea of a woman in a room looking around in like midstep and there's a ghost standing in the doorway st- that watching her basically and her looking in the other direction having no idea there's this ghost behind her so i i just told them this is what i want you know that's what i'm i'm seeing for this story and they just came in and you know, after like a week and a half of working with them, they just knocked it out. And I love it. I love the cover on this book.
0: It's so movie poster. It's so like, like the conjuring. It's like, when you see it, you know, it's horror. When you see it, it's got the creepy vibe. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what you're going to step into when you see the presence, when you see the cover. Um
1: yeah.
0: And so for the rest, were the, were the covers that easy for you? Did it all just kind of,
1: not really uh i went with the same book artist the next two books for the possessed and the damned and the possessed i was really conflicted about that cover because i was if you look at it it's it's weird it's just strange and i told them the story it was about a a person who's possessed you know it's not too difficult to imagine what it might be about but they came out with this cover that I was just like both grossed out by kind of repulsed by, but drawn to at the same time. And I was, and they said, what do you think? And I said, well, I don't really like it, but I can't stop looking at it. So I'm going to keep it (laughs) because I, I, you know, it's just so weird. I hopefully it'll, you know, catch on with people. And then I, I did the same thing with the third one. I'm, you know, it's, it's a strange cover and from there, I just realized I have people on each of my covers and a lot of horror books don't. They have Those a house.
0: Symbols are symbols. Yep.
1: Symbols and, house. <laughs> and again, my stories are about the people that are haunted, not about the house. So out of my 10 horror books, supernatural thrillers, whatever you want to call them, only one of them actually has a picture of a house on it. And I like that one so much because number one, it looks so awesome. And it reminds me of the Dean Koontz book, Lightning. So I had to go with it just because it looks so cool and the colors were great.
0: So one of my friends, she's a graphic designer and she has her business, but she hasn't publicly announced it yet. So she's, so she worked the cover for the Sunday killer for me just for free, Ooh. just for fun. Oh, nice. Oh, bonus. Yeah, is yeah. bonus. I don't know if the publishing company is going to use it or not, but it's a barn. It's dark. It's all red letters, big block
1: okay. killer
0: with the maze. On. I want to see it.
1: You'll have to pass like, it over to me. Yeah, I'll
0: show you. <laughs> I'll show you what she crafted for me. It was such a lovely gift that she thought of me enough to say, look, I'm going to spend all these hours on something that I know I'm not getting paid for, but I love you. She was one yeah. of my beta readers for the Sunday killer, but I understand what you mean. Like I've went through the process now where I've looked back over my body of work and I'm like, I want to go now symbols. I want to recreate. So anything for it I could do like love over pizza didn't have the sweet romance couple on it. It had the pizza and the basil and the menu and the, and it's the, it's it's just a different shift that I've been seeing with book covers. But Hmm. I love yours. They're like movie posters just waiting for me to like enter in. And speaking of movies, like what type of research do you do like I'm a, I watch movies and read. So when I'm in the genre I'm reading within the genre and watching everything I can get my hands on at the same exact time. What's your process when it comes to research?
1: I don't really do too much research except for when I was doing The Possessed and The Damned. I was doing a lot of research on the occult. I was doing a lot of research on demons, um on the Catholic Church and how they go about doing exorcisms. At that time, just around the time of the possessed, um, my wife, my then uh, girlfriend at that time, now my wife, she had been kind of pressing me for years to, you know, uh, read the Bible, Um, you know, maybe go to church, see if it's something you're interested in. See, I um, I had been brought up as a Catholic and I just felt like it was kind of forced upon me. I had a really hard time um, connecting, I think, with God at that time and in Jesus Christ. and it didn't it didn't really enter my world. I had a I just it just didn't feel right at that time. but when my girlfriend at that time, Know, mention hey, you should try out listening or watching Joyce Meyer. I started watching Joyce Meyer, and oh my god, I was hooked from there. I was like, finally, she has a sense of humor. Um, you know, she's giving real life examples and how you know God enters our lives and, and how important Jesus Christ is and it it, when i'm doing this research and watching this i'm like oh my god i'm taking notes you know stuff from the bible and i'm like oh i can put this in the book and all of that so it was like a clash of darkness in this book it's it's very dark and my main character and the and eloise you know and also a 95 year old grandma who's you know an exorcist lady who is just awesome She's in there too. So they add some light to it and it's just a clash between good and evil. And that was some of the research I was doing. I was watching some documentaries on You know, doing exorcisms and, you know, I I, I see in some of these movies and some of these books, I was like, oh, that's not real. That's not how it really happens. Coincidentally, I just watched a movie called The Cleansing Hour last weekend, which I loved. It's a low budget film that in the first few minutes I was like, oh, my God, he's doing an exorcism like it's really done. Who would have thought? But it's taken in a it just takes you in totally different directions. And it's something I've never seen. So if you guys are interested in a, a good horror movie, The Cleansing Hour is a good one. I think it just came out last year. But yeah, otherwise, there's really not too much too much research for me. Um, I do enjoy love. I do love watching horror films. I, I tend to watch a, a few of them at a time because... You know, I have to share the TV with my wife.
0: <laughs> so my and, husband uh, loves horror. He loves horror. I am mean, so thankful that he watches them with me. Um, but he likes sci-fi and action. And that's his time. So like okay. if I'm podcasting, he's he's doing his thing. And he's probably downstairs watching some kind of sci-fi. Oh, cool. All <laughs> right. But we share the horror love together, which is that's awesome great. for me. That's yeah. great. So you're sharing with the horror. So you're trying to binge watch some horror.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I, I when I read, I typically read about three to five books at a time. And it takes me forever to finish one book. But I generally read one to two horror books while also sometimes reading a romantic comedy and a thriller or a drama or something like that. Different types of writing is very important when you're writing. And not that it typically comes out in your writing, but just to see how sent, how they might sentence, you know, do sentence structure, different beats that you might in your own writing go, oh, this would be a great time to have the sentence, you know, like have a long sentence and then say, no more. I'm not going to deal with it. You know, very short sentences and put them boom, 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 right after the other. It, It shakes up the reader and it might invigorate the prose. It might, you know, quicken the pace. There's, you know, a lot of different ways that there's a lot of different writers out there who have a lot of different styles that everybody can learn from. So I typically try to go with, you know, a lot of different genres and it just takes me forever to finish them. That's the one thing I don't like.
0: So I, in my bio, it actually says you might be finding me reading more than one book at a time. And that is like, no joke because as a high school teacher, I'm reading with my students. We're reading Romeo and Juliet. As a okay. homeschool mom, we're doing Lord of the Rings. Huh. So my my 13-year-old's all about fantasy. So then I just finished, you know, When the Apricots Bloom, which is a literary, bit, you know, biography fiction, I'm all over the place, like middle grades. And I'm always just soaking in books all the time. Love it so much. So when you said... Like you might be doing like two or three at a time. I was like, man, Kirk, we got something else to come. (laughs) Uh, I just try my best. Like for me, it's really hard when I start a book. Like when I started the presence, the presence didn't let me go. Like I've got to like get through. Like when a book hooks me in, I'm done. Like
1: everything else goes to the side not me i wish i were like that i mean something huge could actually happen and i'd be like all right time to go to bed
0: <laughs> it's so hard especially with the schedule that i keep like to find the time so usually it is you know after homeschools like you know close to 10 o'clock at night and so i'm like okay eli i've got to read just a little bit but no it's never just a little bit i'll, yeah. I'll push myself I just can't help it I I get lost in story and that's a good thing because then when I read when I'm writing I get lost in my own stories so like I get lost in these worlds and just absolutely find joy in the process
1: so when you were saying a little bit earlier you were talking about outlining you let your characters go how do you how do you outline do you outline or you just start (laughs) and just keep going
0: I start and keep going. That's how I was at the very beginning of this life. And so I did nothing. I was complete pants I would just open up a word document. I would start crying. And then people like, why are you crying? You're writing it. Well, I did not know that this was the next thing. Like legit (laughs) did have no clue. Um, And then over time I kept listening to, you know, author world. I started learning the language of this world and -hmm. people would say, Oh, well, I plot this way and I outline this and I use this strategy and this. And I'm like, wait, I don't really have a strategy except sitting down in front of the computer. Hmm. So last year I was like, okay, I want to try something. I will try it. That way, if it works for me, I have content. I can talk about it. If it completely fails, I have content. I could talk about it. And I can say, this just wasn't my process, but this is one you might try. Mm -hmm. So I was actually putting myself in that role just to see what would happen. And then I realized, oh, wait, I really like this. And that's how I plotted the Sunday killer. I did the three act structure and I worked backwards. So I went ahead and did the third act first knew exactly kind of like who my foils could be. And of course it did take some detours and I met some new characters along the way. So it was loose. It was very loose. However, when I did that, I was watching a YouTuber and I was she writes thrillers and she writes YA. And I was like, oh I'm going to try that strategy. And I loved it. I found it was fun. I was like, oh I know where this is going now. I don't have to be, you know, surprised except for the little things maybe in life that come along um and then when i went to nano i wrote the sunday killer i wrote seventy thousand words within that month wow oh yeah my gosh. It, was, it was on fire i was That's on crazy. fire for that book like as soon as because i knew that third act i already knew I just had to take my characters and say, "Okay, I know where you're going, Heather. Just take me there. She's my detective in a way. Just take me take me to that place that we're going to get to at the end. But I absolutely fell in love with that type of strategy. So here I am trying to do the love over pizza. and And I start with a sticky note from chapter one. Just words, not three sentences or not anything advanced. Just like, okay, she has a fight with her parents because they want her to move back home and she doesn't. Right. Right. Next one. Next one. You know, and I kind of get these little sticky notes all the way up the narrative structure. So I have all the obstacles in place. I start writing. She doesn't meet her parents. Her parents aren't even in the picture. She doesn't even, and this didn't happen. There's supposed to be a dance and nope, there's no dance. There's no, there's no fake prom. And what am I doing? So that completely bombed for that book. Hmm. It didn't work. However, it was fun to try. Hmm. And at least I had a structure that way. So it gives me an ability to try new things and then talk to my podcast listeners. Hey, That might work for you and might not have worked for me for this, you know, for working out love over pizza. But this is something you could try that you could find, you know, the the dots across the page on a, you know, on a little jam board with sticky notes, digital sticky notes across (laughs) with the pictures like it might work for someone else. But mostly it's just the story. I experienced the story, Mm -hmm. This, you know, it's an experience. It's a journey throughout this life of this character. And everyone that they bump into, yeah. you know, and, and so it's it's different for everyone. That's why I love talking process, because our readers and our listeners and they're out there, you know, going through and, and bumping in the dark, just like all the rest of us authors out there, right. you know, learning from each other. And sharing our way could spark a new thing for someone, especially Mm -hmm. maybe if someone has writer's block or says, oh, I just really don't know where to go with this. Um, Maybe doing some techniques that we share could really help other authors get on their way so that they have a place to tell their story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's why I like sharing so much and connecting with other authors. So, how about your writing community? Like, do you have beta readers? Do you do writing groups? How does that work for your life?
1: I don't have any, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, I, through the years, through the decades, I should say, I've done a lot of reading manuals, I guess you can say, from like Writer's Digest books or. You know, just I I, for years, I would just continually read books out there by authors that were writing books about how to write a setting, you know, how to write conflict, tension and action or suspense, how to write climaxes, you know, that sort of thing. So I don't really have a, a writing community. I went to a community college at one point and took a class in creative writing. but. I thought I was better than everybody. So I was like, this is just a waste of my time. Unfortunately, I was just starting and I didn't know anything, but I just knew (laughs) that I was better than these guys. And I'm not saying that I'm great or anything because at that point I really was not very good at all. But I don't think they were, what I'm trying to say is I don't think that they knew like I did, that I wanted this to be it. You know, I wanted to do this forever this was just a creative writing program. It's for people to see, oh, am I interested or not interested? And I just didn't see the level of like commitment, I guess you can say, from the others. So I didn't, you know, that didn't really turn me on for that really, I guess. So I don't have beta readers. At one point for about four books, I would write the book and I would send it off to a beta reader and I would actually pay her to give me her thoughts you know, while she was reading the book and she was pretty harsh. She was like, hate this guy. Yep. Another dumb man, you know, (laughs) something like that. Or I can't believe, how can anyone be so dumb? And I'm like, wow, she's laying it thick, but you know, it gets the point across and, and, you know, you just go through it and you find out why does she not like this, you know, like this character, like what's happening. Um, you know, she's like, this is this is going on. And she's one of the people who helped me, really helped me write, like, what you like, which is fast-paced, not a lot of, you know, stuff in there. She's basically like, keep it simple. Don't go off in tangents on, you know, what's going on in her life. No one cares. The reader doesn't care. They want to know what's going on right now, you know. Um, try to limit the backstory and, you know, um, try not to have as much character thoughts in your head although she did like that a lot i had to like take some of that out because readers were like god just stay in your head all day i want the action i want the the terror you know so it just takes a lot of time internally to figure out again where you're going how much time you're spending on something and how much time a reader might be willing to stay with you while you're writing this and be willing to listen about what's going on in her life right now that, you know, might affect her world in this haunted house or haunted mansion or haunted hotel.
0: Yeah. So what's like for you throughout all of your experiences, what has been one of the greatest challenges that you had to overcome and you saw the other side of it?
1: Um, gosh, there's probably numerous ones. One of them is the presence, to be honest. When I first write, when I first wrote it, I had again a lot of information in there that was some narrative, that was backstory, that really didn't apply to the, care, to the story that was going on. Like you said, you were writing that book, and this didn't happen at the prom, and this didn't happen with their parents, and you know, I was putting all that stuff in, and they're like, yeah, but how, you know, readers are like, yeah, but it doesn't really relate to this haunted library why are you going through and telling me this? It doesn't, you're just like killing the suspense here, you know? So that was something that I learned with this book. I went through a a number of revisions to try to make this book good. And it was only through actually listening, or I should say reading my reviews on Amazon for the reviews that these people didn't like it, to try to find out what's wrong with this book. You know, why don't these people like this book? I like it, you know, and there's just a process you have to go through and take yourself out of the equation when it comes to your self-esteem because reviews, they can be really nasty and they can hurt, but you have to if you want to get better you have to listen to what they say sometimes they might be just having a bad day and they might just be upset and they're like oh this person's published and i'm not he deserves a bad review but you know they might also be telling the truth and it's like this did, didn't do it for me like if there was one review that said wanted to love a haunted library didn't happen, you know. So, and I just realized I keep saying the word, you know, I'm gonna have to stop that. But (laughs) yeah, yeah, that's it. It's take your, you know, your own self-esteem out of it. Look at what people are are saying about your book, about your character, about, you know, the pace of it. Um, That, that was really kind of it. And I, I just had to be very honest with myself and say, all right, I'm going to, ha- I think I tr- I took out like 30 pages or so from this book. And I just thought, wow, it just makes the book so much better when you get rid of all that stuff. That's, and then
0: you were able to just upload it and move forward.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I added um, the scene that, that you mentioned before we, we got online here, where it has a little bit of romantic comedy for a few pages that wasn't in there to begin with. But-
0: oh. I'm glad you added that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I wanted to add a little bit more depth of the character. I wanted to add a little bit more depth and I guess you can say humanity for this cop who could be, you know, coming up to this Rosalind, this main character and being a jerk, but he's not, he's actually just a really nice guy that you'd wish any cop would be in a small town. And that's kind of what it is. And actually the, the police department, a big chunk of it as the series goes on, you find out they're corrupt. He's one of the only people who doesn't even, you know, he finds out and he takes matters into his own hands. But that's, you know, yeah, it's it's again just a process of of just learning.
0: Yeah. How about really? you and social media? Like how how have you felt about that? Because a lot of times authors, they're either like. I'll go go about social media. I'm on it. I'm, I'm promoting. I'm always in the present. And then there's others that kind of say, not ready for all that yet, are just slowly <laughs> making my way there. Like, where are you on that continuum?
1: I'm at like, if it were zero to 10, 10 being they're totally immersed in social media, I'm at like a 0. 0.5, <laughs> not even one. <laughs> I tried. I tried doing Facebook. I tried doing Twitter. It's just that, I don't, it's not that I don't want to do it. It's just, I don't know what to say really too much. And I feel like when I try, I put it out there and then I forget about it because, you know, we have other jobs and we have life to do. And, you know, there's, uh, there's just a lot of things going on. You could always just schedule time to work on posts that you might put out and just schedule it you know, for three weeks in advance, which would be a smart thing to do. Yeah. I wish I were better at it. I have to read more into it. I would, I love what you're doing. I was like, Oh, that's awesome. I would like to do a, to host a podcast. That would be fun. Just talk with a bunch of authors.
0: Yeah. You know, and, and Kurt, when we get off of here, if you want me to like, I will give you the ins and outs of how I do all this, because this has been life changing for this introvert. Like, I'm from a small town, no writing buddies, no writing community, you know, no one that I knew was an author, period. And then as soon as I started with the podcast, it took me about a year of just doing solos. And someone approached me and said, hey, I've got an author I want you to interview. And I'm like, I don't do interviews. I don't do that. I, I don't know what to do with that. They're like, oh, you would be great. You're gonna love this book. You're gonna love this person. And I was like, okay, it's a new year. It's January. Let's just jump in. And it's just been the best blessing because I get to meet you and all of these amazing authors that are out there. And it's a place for us to just hang out, talk story, talk about what we love. You know, it just it matters. Connecting matters. So if you're yeah. interested in podcasting, I'm gonna just start praying about that for you and just say <laughs> it can be done. Like I edit nothing. I I have no fancy equipment. I have a camera with a little mic on it, <laughs> headphones for loop, 30 bucks. <laughs> just it's about story. It's about the the life that we live, our author world. And it it works. It's just it's it's great. So, yeah,
1: yeah. that's great. I mean, that's great that you finally found, you know, a platform that you're interested in and, you know, that works for you because because when you first contacted me, I was like, should I do that? I'm not really especially popular. I mean, there are people out there who know me, but hmm, I think I will because. Uh, She seems like such a nice person. So this is this is my first podcast. So thank you again for having me.
0: So when I went and I started searching because my word for I don't know if you do like words for 2021. I have Bible verses, words, and I do things. Uh, 2021 for me was connection. Okay. I knew the Sunday Killer would be coming out in August. I knew that I have you know my friends that write children's books and they write middle grade horror and they write. Not what I'm writing. No crime dramas, no thrillers, no cult kind of thing going on, all that vibe. And I was like, you know what? I just want to meet new authors for 2021. I want to extend all of this goodness and just meet people. And so that's when I just went online and I started typing in and you popped up. (laughs) You came up on a search. And I was like, oh, Kurt Kilgrave one That's like the coolest name ever. <laughs> I'm like, okay, look at these covers. Look at these descriptions. Awesome. And I was like, okay, I got to send this guy an email. Same way with Lisa Regan. I was like, wow, her name came up. And I was like, I got to send her an email. I've got to meet her. I got to meet Kurt. I feel like the Lord connects all the dots together. Like here yeah. we are a bunch of dots out there.
1: There's yeah, so there's... It, it just to to break in i i agree with you there there's just something certain things happen for certain reasons at certain times that you, you really for me anyway i found that I, I really can't put it like for instance um gosh for the longest time i had a trouble meeting somebody and i'd go on all these dates i'd go on like uh what is that? Um fast dating. I'd try all, all these different things to try to meet someone. And I finally said, you know what? I am done. I, I have this like this date that I did through um online dating. This is gonna be it because I'm done after this. And uh so I was there and I saw my girlfriend who became my wife, and I was just I you know, in the restaurant I stopped. And and saw her at the other end of the aisle, and I just was like, that smile was so breathtaking that I was just like, oh my god, holy cow! And it was it was so different because in every other time I met someone, I was always like, oh, hopefully they'll like me and I'll like them, and this will work out. And this time, God must have been working on me because. I didn't think that way at all. I was just there in the moment and just enjoying who this person was. And it was no pressure, no stress. It was unlike anything else in my life. He had to have been working behind the scenes for me.
0: Yes. I love that story. I love mm-hmm. it. And after we get off of here, you go tell her how amazing <laughs> she is. And for thanks for supporting your work, too. Yeah. Because your books... They're there for a reason. They're out there to entertain, to scare, to thrill. You know, we, we have a place where we can go and know that we're going to get a good, solid story. Yeah. So I'm really excited about reading all the rest of your work. <laughs> um, I'm just so thankful that I had this opportunity to meet you and talk about your work. The House of Silent Screams is out now. So that's book three. So that means everybody needs to back up Yep. And, and start checking out Kurt Kilgrave's work. And I just really thank you for being here, Kurt.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Jen. It was a pleasure. It was a lot of fun. And have me on again. That's fine, Yay. too. When you, When you don't have me, I'd love to be on again. It was great speaking awesome. with you.
0: Awesome. All right, guys, you heard that. He's coming <laughs> back. So go read his book. So then when he comes back, you can send me emails, writes at gmail.com and say, ask Kirk this, or you could just email him too. Go to his website. All right, yep. guys, I'll talk with y'all later.